Why have I quit my job? Why have I, you know, bought a van? And, and why am I going to drive around the country? Well, I'm passionate about the idea that you need to be heard. And I want to stitch these stories together across the states. We're going to find the commonalities. And it's going to be really an amazing experience. And I look forward to you joining me on the job. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Mental Health Today. I am your host, Ken Stearns. And uh, this is this is a show that's really all it's really all about um, trying to find ways uh, that people are taking events in their life, uh, taking interactions in the mental health space specifically, and turning that into positive results, positive actions, ways that they are personally motivated to affect change within the mental health space. And um, so we've got a lot of, you know, we get people on with that are producing products uh, to help to help other people have conversations with themselves, uh, all kinds of um, therapeutic side. Uh, we've and we've got people also sharing their trauma, and then you know what comes out of that and what they do with that. And I think Elizabeth today's got a pretty cool story, uh, so I wanted to bring her on so she can share that. And then also, I again, what I like is you know we're not really, there's no victims in these, in, in life. There really are just, you know, people who do stuff with life experiences and, you know, making, we're all just making lemonade out of lemons at some point in our life. And we need that damn good skill and, um, and knowing how to do it. And, you know, when you're, when you're selling, when you're making lemonade and you're selling lemonade, you're making money off, off of something else that happened to you. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, Elizabeth, Thanks for being a guest. I uh, really appreciate you taking time out of your day to share your story and to, you know, and again, to share what, what are we doing wrong and what, you know, what can we do better? And you've, you're somebody who's, you know, you got a bit of a backstory and I think maybe, you know, a little of the backstory and then share with us what you're doing. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, it's good to be here. So um, I'm a, I'm an artist and an activist and a writer. Um, but five years ago, I was painting murals as a federal inmate, um, and I <laughs> had to rebuild my life from scratch. And it all stemmed from a domestic violence uh, incident when I was in my twenties. You know, I had never done drugs. I was never, you know, growing up, I was never uh, exposed to violence or drugs or you know anything mm. like that. I was adopted into a really great family, like right from birth, and um, but I, I did struggle with mental health issues and when they put me on, on antidepressants, it made me significantly worse. Like I went into psychosis Whoa. as a result of it. And, huh. you know, then, you know, in my twenties, after I got arrested, they finally gave me a bipolar diagnosis because, you know, my sleep schedules were always off. You know, I was either sleeping way too much or I'd be manic for two days. But the thing about bipolar is you have to be manic for a week. You have to stay awake for a week for that to actually be a legitimate diagnosis. And, you know, now I realize how misogynistic the mental health industry is and, you know, how it still, you know, oppresses women and people of color, you mm. know, really badly. And, you know, um, I, I was assaulted in my early 20s by my ex and I found out I was pregnant and you could see my skull when it happened. 
So, you know, they, I, the brain damage was really bad. I was getting seizures. Um, you know, I was going deaf and blind for moments at a time. My daughter was no longer safe for me. She was, she was a toddler running around and I was going into seizures and, you know, being unconscious because Whoa. of this head injury. And, you know, I was in chronic pain. Now I was in so much pain. My blood pressure would skyrocket. And I found out I was pregnant that day. And so they gave me opioids. And when I tried, I took them at first you know, when the initial injury happened, but then they sent me to the pain clinic because the pain was not going away. And they, they put me on a steady They wanted to put me on a steady prescription of opiates. And I'm like, wait, I'm pregnant. Like, I don't want to take this. And, you know, I was on public, you know, insurance. Now I wasn't on my parents' private insurance. And I noticed I was treated a lot differently. You know, once I wasn't on, you know, their private insurance. Yes. And now they were telling me if I didn't follow their medical advice and take their prescription and, you know, take it properly, then it would result in a call to CPS because if for, you know, for ignoring children. medical advice. Yeah. Because I was pregnant. Wow. So I, that's weird. They're going to call CPS on you for not doping was, up your yeah, unborn. This was 15 years ago too. So, you know, big pharma was still pushing their, you know, opioids and their Xanax and their Adderall and making, you know, millions off of the suffering and addiction of the American people. And then they want to demonize us, you know, and like the suffering in the American people is a trillion dollar industry and it needs to be, you know, exposed, you know, from the rehabs, they have a 94% failure rate. Wow. And, you know, they just say, oh, they'll kick somebody out over something petty. And then it's, oh, no refund. You're an addict. You messed up. And then it crushes the addict. And, you know, usually they get out and just start using again. But, you know, they have petty rules that they don't have with, you know, they wouldn't have with a cancer patient that they would have with addicts. Like these people are detoxing, coming off drugs, you know, trying to get help. Yeah. They're out of their mind. You know, drugs completely rewire your brain to make that substance like water. And, you know, so the abuse got worse, you know, I, I, um, the, the, my addictions got worse, you know, after I had my son, you know, I was never an addict before that, but after I had my son, like, I really didn't, you know, try to control, you know, myself when it came to mm. my prescription anymore, you know, I was using it more and more and I was using it because I was depressed and I was traumatized and, you know, this man would trap me in the bathroom and like torture me for hours. So. I eventually went to Spruce Run, the battered women's shelter, and they turned me away after talking to the cops. And they said that my injuries were so extensive that it put the other women in the shelter in danger. And they had two beds open. So, you know, that was like rock bottom for me. And after that, drug dealers ended up helping me. And, you know, I got wow. sucked into a life that I never wanted. And, you know, I lost my once I they wouldn't help me. I made a deal with my father that if, you know, they wouldn't help me then I'd sign my kids over to him just to keep them safe. Because if my ex had shown up, you know, with the cops or something, he would have had to hand them over. So, you know, Whoa, I, yeah. I was in this position now that I had, you know, I had to make this decision. And, you know, it, you know, if they, in Maine at the time, Paul Page was the governor and, you know, his policy said, unless if you were pregnant or taking care of children, you can't get health care. So I now lost my health care. So I couldn't even go to the doctor to get my regular prescription. Oh, because you weren't I even could, taking care yeah. of kids. Yeah, because I didn't, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I, I'd sign them over to my dad. And so once I lost my health care, like, you know, that was that was another thing that just, you know, kind of ripped the you know carpet out from under me. And, you know, 
drug dealers ended up protecting protecting me, giving me a place to hide, giving me drugs to sell, so you know I could survive. And I was tough enough from all the trauma. Like I was so hardened from this, you know. Like I ended up, you know, being pretty good, and you know, end up climbing a ladder. And eventually, I got really bad charges with the feds. You know, they were nonviolent drug crime, but you know, still, it was it's fed. It's federal. Yeah. Yeah. And once I, oh, by the way, that is a problem with shelters. You know, a friend of mine, um, for victim-based shelters, a friend of mine tried to get into the human sex trafficking shelter and they wouldn't let her in because she wouldn't snitch her pimp out. The guy knew where her mother was, where her kids were. He had all of her IDs, her social security cards, everything. These pimps, you know, know how to trap these women. So oh, yeah, that's what they you're, do. It's their you're job. You're expecting these victims to do your job for it for you it's not their job it is law enforcement's job to get these people off the streets they should not have to put their families at risk you should be putting yeah. them in a shelter and helping them but you're gonna leave them you know because what because they won't you know do your job for you like that's disgusting to me and that's a big problem and you know 70 percent of women in prison in this country have some sort of sexual assault or domestic violence in their background before they even get to prison Oh, you know, no, sure. we're not even bringing up mental health issues yet. And, you know, yeah. once I was in jail, I got to see and I got, you know, horribly treated and, you know, oppressed over my mental health. And, you know, it was, you know, they, they these people push you to your breaking point. I was they put me on the wrong medication for my diagnosis. I was in they put me in solitary. I was in full blown psychosis with a sergeant telling me to kill myself. I was hallucinating. I was back in my old apartment with my ex. Every time they came in and slammed the door shut because the cell was set up exactly like my old bathroom. I had a psychotic break in there and these medications, you know, Whoa. really drove it home. Like it was like being on a bad trip. And so, you know, it turns out I'm actually high functioning autistic and I don't even dare get an official high uh, autism, you know, diagnosis because it gives people the power to put you in institutions or, you know, with what the Republicans are doing. I just don't, you know, I already have a bipolar diagnosis and I've taken a whole bunch of, you know, autistic tests on, you know, these site on the sites that are supposed to be 98% accurate. And I score significantly high in all of them. And the more I read about it, like I have all the sensory issues, mm -hmm. like, you know, when there's a lightning storm out, I can feel it before it strikes. Like I can feel it in my body and it like, yeah, it throws me off and stresses me out. And like, it's overstimulating for me. Like yeah. I get stressed out during, you know, lightning storms because of it. And I've, you know, I was diagnosed with ADD and they're finding more and more women who, you know, were diagnosed with, you know, ADHD as a kid actually have high functioning autism. And, you know, these, these diagnoses are used to oppress women. And if you look at my bipolar diagnosis, you know, I had two relationships. You know, one, the guy, I was 15 and the guy was 24. He was basically preying on me and I couldn't see it at the time. Of course That was not. my first. And then, yeah. you know, eventually he, it ended up being abusive. You know, he'd smack me around. Uh, you know, he tried to sell me to his brother and, I, you know, a whole bunch of horrible shit. He literally tried to traffic me. And, you know, then my, my next, who you know, put me in the hospital and almost killed me and sexually assaulted me and, you know, destroyed my entire life, made it so I couldn't even have my kids. I finally get the balls to walk away from these men and you're going to put it down on paper that I got bored in these relationships. And, you know, I just, you know, it was like, you know, a borderline, you know, thing. Whoa. And yeah, 
And I'm like reading this, you know, years later, realizing like how misogynistic this was. Yeah. And I, you know, those were the only two relationships I'd had. Like I was traumatized, you know, and, you know, he gave me like, like, yeah, okay. The, you know, my sleeping s- schedule, like what that would always be off. It turns out if I just eat really, really healthy, like mostly fruits and vegetables with no processed stuff and, you know, fake sugars and, you know, food dyes and all that, my manic episodes go down and I can mostly sleep like mm-hmm. a normal human being. You know, as long as I cut that stuff out of my diet, but you know, they want to just pump you full of all these pharmaceutical drugs and it can take you so long to come out of them. And you know, these institutions, and then when you flip out that they'll send you to jail and this is what's happening in all these jails across America were taking out PPP loans during the pandemic and they were adding wings onto their facilities. That money was supposed to go to the people. And this is all about corporations getting a free workforce. A hospital saves $350,000 a year contracting their linen to be washed by inmates instead of paying regular people. This Mm. is all about a free workforce. They have bypassed slavery laws and they want to use mental health issues and, you know, you know, their racial agenda to, you know, get their free workforce and not have to pay us and not have to give us food. And, you know, just be we have more prisons than we do colleges. Hmm. And, you know, I, I, I always say this, like, be careful giving your kids these medications because a doctor will be quick to, you know, write a prescription out and hand it out. And then, oh, they're, they're nowhere to be found. And, you know, they're, they're gone on the weekend Hmm. and, you know, they've gone on vacation and, you know, won't be back till there. Oh, but you can turn yourself in to the hospital if you're having a really (laughs) bad one. You know, they just leave you. And these things are so dangerous when they get them wrong. They're so dangerous. Yeah, very much so. It's it's horrible. And, you know, then in these institutions, you know, once you have a mental health issue, whatever abuse you go through, it doesn't matter. You won't be believed. Like, it does not matter what happens to you. Uh... And this is what happens, you know, especially to women. You know, I had uh, conservative women telling me when I got out of prison, if I don't want to get raped by cops, then, you know, don't break the law and go to jail. This is the attitude towards, you know, people with mental health issues and, you know, backgrounds and drug addictions. When, you know, everyone in my generation, you know, we did what we were supposed to do. We went to our doctors. We trusted our doctors. You know, we had depression. They pumped us full of, you know, these antidepressants and these mood stabilizers and, you know, anti-anxiety meds and benzos that can kill you on the withdrawals. And when we broke our bones and had surgeries, you know, they pumped us full of opiates and turned us into addicts. And, you know, our college, now everyone's swimming in debt because Mm. you can't even get a job, you know, for, you know, it, it was a complete waste of money. We did what we were supposed to. And, you know we all got sent to prison. You know, most of the people in my generation, half the people that were born in 1986 are dead now, you know, from drug overdoses. And, you know, there's less people in my generation than the, you know, the one prior to us, they've killed us and they have profited off of it. And that's, what's so sick to me. Hmm. America's doing like 80% of the pharmaceutical drugs. We make up like 5% of the world. Like we, we should not, these, these pharmacy companies, are, you know, just raking in trillions, you know, at the suffering of, of us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. The, 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 I think the drug industry has got a real bad hand um, in this equation. And, uh, you know, I think everybody knows it's weird because everybody knows it. 
everybody can see it. Um, but yet in some weird way, we kind of were, we're not up in arms about it. It's kind of surprising yeah. to and me that more people haven't freaked out. I mean, you know, we just mental even, health is on the rise because people's basic needs aren't met. If it would, it's amazing how so mm. many mental health issues and, you know, stressors go away when people's basic needs are met. And that was, you know, when Janet Mills took over for governor and, um, expanded main care, which allowed me to get health insurance when I got out. So now I was able to go to therapy. I was able to go to the doctor. Oh, I was able to get mat treatment when I needed it. And then I got off of it. And now I'm, I've been out five and a half years and I'm doing really good. That was the one little thing that gave me a fair chance when I got out of prison mm. this last night. Because when I got out on probation, I had $1,300 of psych meds the prison had me on. I didn't even need half of them. But they had me so drugged up and I'm already phys physically hooked on them because I've been on them for months. Yeah. And you get physically addicted, you know, the way you do with opioids and benzos. You, it's the same thing with psych meds. You will have physical withdrawals. You know, I was on lithium. Your heart can stop. Shit, if, you were, you, know, on lith you yeah. were on lithium and you got off. Yeah. And it was awful. You know, Whoa. It's, it's that's not easy to do. Yeah. Sorry, my dog just totally plowed through my table. It's <laughs> okay. Um, God, that is a that's a rough. And so yeah. the the fact that and you got out and you had medical coverage was yeah. a real a real that turning was a point, real game changer. You know, in the halfway house, the halfway house didn't do their job and get the paperwork in on time, so I couldn't. I didn't have a refill. I was out of my thirty. The prison sends you thirty days when you leave. They didn't do their job, so I was sitting there detoxing. I could feel my heart regularly beating like i i thought i was gonna die and then i start hallucinating and you know i went into a total psychic psych break like i i thought i had a paying attack in my room and i'm like four stories up like and my one thought was i need to get out of here i have to get out of here now and i was thinking go out the window and it's four stories up like that's how out of my mind that stuff made me like it's dangerous like when britney spears talks about you know her experience with lithium yeah it makes you feel drunk like it's terrible coming off of it and you know i like my heart went out with her because you know went out to her because you know that's one one secluded you know example yeah, it's one. of having your mental health weaponized against you and, yeah she you know, was a good example of really being having her life destroyed yeah yeah crazy and being gaslit you know you could be saying you know, the sky is blue and people will be like, oh, well, you have mental health issues. So, you know, we can't, you know, take what you're saying seriously. Like, that's mm -hmm. literally how people, you know, just, you're like, yeah, I may not have in control of my emotions and I can't sleep like a normal person. But, you know, I can do other things a lot better than, Sp you know, sky's blue. the average person. Right. And, you know, doesn't mean I'm not intelligent or anything like that. And, you know, what the drug counselor at Danbury said, you know, having a mental disability isn't a disability and they shouldn't call it that your brain just processes things differently and yeah. you can actually do some absolutely incredible things you know you know autistics brain their their brain moves 40 percent faster than the average brain like they can do these incredible things mm. that you know the that's superhuman compared to you know neurotypical people and if we just change the way we address mental health it's not that there's something wrong with them they're just different.
they are processing the world different. And if mm. you found them a space where they could thrive, that doesn't trigger their mental health issues, that actually makes it thrive, they could be an incredible, you know, asset to society. I mean, Elon Musk is on the spectrum. Yeah, he's also a sociopath. Yeah, but he's a successful, he's a very successful, I mean, I, I wouldn't, call, I don't think he's a sociopath, but he's extremely I successful he and he's super high functioning. And if, I mean, if he's a sociopath, that's, he's also really good he at cries it. That he cries about paying his taxes while there's millions of Americans, you know, on the street. There's 29 mm. empty properties for every homeless man, woman, and child in mm. America. And he wants to cry about paying his fair share. Mm. Like, I'm done. He's paid with his most. He's paid the biggest tax bill any individual on the planet has ever paid. And so he's I, teaming I, up with the Republicans, so they write bills so that he shouldn't have to. Like, I don't like those types of people. I kind of leave politics out of it. I don't really talk about Republicans or Democrats. I talk about oh, systems. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, because, I mean, politics are just divisive, right? And yeah. as many as much as you think you're right, there'll be somebody else who thinks they're right. And that will that will hide your message from people. So right. to keep your message pure, you keep the politics out of it, and then everybody can be accepting to what you say. Um, yeah, I think, look, I think the the drugs that they put people on, and that's part of the system. Um, and it's definitely, it's got to be a meat grinder. I don't know how they differentiate between who's normal, who's not normal. It seems right. like they just put everybody into the machine, and the idea is to sedate everybody. So right. the circus, the zoo of the prison operates in some twisted, sick manner. They just, not, they just want a free workforce. Like, you know, yeah. we had in, there were inmates fighting wildfires and risking their lives for pennies a day. We made $5 and 25 cents a month in prison, working 40 hours a week. And, you know, <laughs> I, that's crazy. I love, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely. Do you, you know, have to insane. work or. Yeah. If you'll go to the shoe and lose all your good time. You will go to solitary confinement. If you don't work. Yeah. That's wild, man. It's in Maine. Oh yeah. They, or this everywhere. is federal. This is federal. everywhere. Yeah. It's federal. That's wild. And what were you making? What do they have you making? Um, I worked in the rec. Um, actually, my one decent, and it wasn't, I call this decent, but um, for jail, it was decent. I got $57 a month for painting murals at Danbury. Wow. That's crazy. But tell yeah, us, you work tell, hard. And What are you yeah. doing now? What is, tell us about EPM. Tell us about your clothing. Tell us about who is, who so, is Elizabeth now? I, um, I had a couple art shows when I got out and then I found this company called the Galleriste, um, in Canada and they, they make your art into an environmentally friendly, you know, women's clothing brand and okay. it comes in plus sizes. And I was so happy because when I ordered it, like, you know, we, as women have, we're told our whole lives that we're only as valuable as we are skinny and pretty. Mm. And we have, you know, this toxic patriarchal culture and, you know, this brand, a lot of brands will size their clothes really, really small. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it doesn't usually match, you know, what other brands do. And it can cause a lot of body dysmorphia issues. Like, you know, I've watched friends of mine, you know, develop eating disorders, you know, after, you know, trying stuff on and, you know, what they should have been their size and it was mm -hmm. way too small. And so this brand doesn't do that. It's very, you know, flattering to the body. And, you know, it's not going to trigger those body dysmorphia issues. You know, I never struggle with that, but I struggle with other things. And, like, I know how 
awful it can be. Yeah. Um, and I also started working uh, with Maine state representatives in Maine um, okay. to bring awareness. Uh, they just passed a law. Um, bandit, lay down. <laughs> um, they just passed a law mandating all uh, institutions um, provide tampons and pads free of charge for women in jail. Yes, that is a problem. Um, women will literally try to make their own tampons and give themselves infections. Like it's, you know, it's bad. They like, and then you it, have to buy that at the commissary. Oh yeah. And then they like jack the price up, you know, triple what you pay out here when you're only making, you know, pennies. And that's even if they have it, usually they don't, they never get enough for, you know, the whole compound. That's crazy. That's, yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, the other one was, um, when I was in solitary at Somerset, they forced me to strip in front of, um, cameras under duress of being like Mason extracted. And so when I got to Alderson, I filed a PREA complaint against them. That stands for prison rape elimination act. And, um, basically it's anything of a sexual nature goes under PREA in prison. So when Alderson got the complaint back from Somerset, they wouldn't even let me hold it to read it myself. They wouldn't let me send a copy home. They wouldn't give me, they wouldn't give it to me, period. Yeah. They read it to me. And so Somerset County deemed, admitted to everything I was complaining about, and then they deemed it unfounded. So it just wouldn't go anywhere. And this is how they're bearing the abuse. And this is why institutions, whether it's a mental institution, whether it's a college, yeah. whether it's anything, these institutions cannot be allowed to continue to do their own investigations. This is mm. how they bury abuse. This is how they bury corruption. Right. And, you know, th this cannot continue. You know, they are putting people's lives, you know, people's trauma, you know, their, their own reputation before all of that. And, mm. it, you know, you just, it's not okay. Where do you get the, for your, for your art and the stuff that ends up, is it more, are you doing like portraits? What kind of stuff do you end up putting on the, the dresses and, and clothes? I can show you. So this one is a horse. Oh, okay. A pillow with a horse face. Cool. Yep. Or a bag. I see a bag or a pillow. Yep. Okay. And this, is, like, I'm, I'm super weird. So one day I'll be doing like butterflies and flowers. And then, you know, like the next day I'm like really gothic or like dark femme. And this is a pillowcase. Very cool. Yeah, so she's, uh, Elizabeth's showing some some of the different pieces she's got. Very, yeah. um, very kind of, it's not say tie-dye-ish, surreal-ish. Very <laughs> interesting. You got a cool style. That's a very interesting style. Yeah, um, this one's one of my favorites. It's, it's the Pisces kind of a, mode. You've got a bit of a Japanese that koi fish kind of vibe was very, yeah, very sixties, very Japanese, very eclectic. And I'd say not eclectic. Kind of hard to yeah. say. Trying to come up with the right yeah, skullish. Yeah, you know. interesting. Like, that. like little bags too. So I mean, there's dresses, you know, shirts, all sorts of, you know, mm. different styles, you know, headbands. Um, placemats i mean there's, there's turn, really oh, so they really turn it into everything yeah okay very cool 
That's like true. you can you can come up with a whole outfit, you know, that with one painting and just, you know, match and it's really pretty and everything's made, you know, fret, you know, eco-friendly. Yeah. And what are you doing? Are you doing are you doing anything now in the mental health space? Um, I mean, you got your work. I what you, am What else creating, are you doing? You're giving you're giving these talks. Yes. Um, but I am creating an adult coloring book. There was a style of art. Uh, that I did in jail that really helped me with trauma and distracting myself, you know, because, you know, they have this whole attitude, like, just talk about it, just talk about it. Like your brain doesn't know the difference between, you know, what's actually happening yeah. and a traumatic memory. Yeah. So by doing this, you're just ripping that open again. The I best can... thing to do is distract yourself and, you know, this um, build style a new... of art and build yeah. a new memory. Yeah. And so this style of art, it's like meditative doodling. And I really enjoyed it. And so did some other girls um, in the pod. And um, so I'm creating my own adult coloring book and I'm including, you know, what I've learned about trauma that I found helpful and other coping mechanisms that, you know, I did to help me deal with it. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, it's, that's been awfully fast, but we're at the 30, we're at the mark. Um, <laughs> okay. How about some closing thoughts? How about some, you know, message for the audience? Um, you know, some of it could be also included in there, how to get involved or how to find you. Um, yeah, you know, what I'm, other kind of causes you're, you're pimping? Yep. I'm on um, Instagram and TikTok. Um, you can, the way I started, you know, getting bills and stuff on the table is I started writing to um, state representatives and, you know, I'm the one I'm working on now with the jail. Um, it's to ch charge them financially for every day they stonewall an inmate refusing to give them the paperwork. Because by law, they have to give it to me. And I've asked for it several times. But there's no consequence if they don't hand it over. Um, and this is how they're bearing the abuse. There needs to be a financial consequence for yeah. these institutions not yeah. abiding by the law. So, Absolutely. Um, you know, that's what I'm pushing for. I also just got, um, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, people's basic needs were met. A lot of yeah. mental health problems would yeah. go away. And, you know, the greed in this country is so bad that, you know, these landlords would be charging application fees and not actually running the apartment. They'd be getting triple the rent and not have to turn anything on because they'd be getting so many application fees. Mm. And it was driving the homeless problem, you know, up in Bangor. And so I addressed this. And so the legislatures passed, you know, a bill saying that you can only pass, you can only charge an application fee if, you know, a lease is signed and you've got somebody in that apartment. So, you know, that's fair. And the rest of the country needs to get on board because, you know, this is a problem. We should not have this many homeless people. You know, people deserve housing. People deserve food. Hmm. People deserve dignity. And this is supposed to be the greatest country in the world. Like, no, they, they would rather criminalize homelessness. You can't even feed the homeless in some cities hmm. now without getting a fine. You know, they just want to round them all up, put them in jail, and then put them to work for free. And this hmm. is not this is not what America should be. They want to demonize, you know, mental health issues, you know, with the, to, for their agendas. And instead of helping these people... You know, they just want to abuse them further in these institutions. And, you know, they, they need to be met with compassion and, you know, dignity. I agree. we got to have a lot more compassion. And I, and I think that finding a dignified approach to people that are, you know, found themselves on the street for whatever reason. Right. You know, um, our prisons are filled with people who slip through the cracks of our society. 
you know, we have, I mean, I think the majority of them, not, not everybody. I'm not saying everybody should be, you know, out of jail or anything, Yeah, but we've got a massive mental health crisis and it's filled the jails. I'm certain. And the streets, you know, what, what can't fit in the jail is on the street. And, uh, you know, it's a mental health crisis on the homelessness is, is heavily tied to mental health. You're not, yeah. on the, you know, nobody normal wants to live on it. Nobody with a sound mind wants to live on a street in a tent. No, I, I can't be ever convinced of that, you know, and there no. might be varying degrees of how they want to be housed, but everybody wants some sort of, it's, it's a fundamental, no, it's, fun, it's a biological law. Yeah. We no, need shelters shelter. are traumatizing. A lot of these shelters are traumatizing. Oh yeah. Those so. places. Yeah. I can understand why they may not want to go to that place. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth, fantastic to have you on. Um, thanks Thank for you. thanks for being a guest. You got a crazy story. I mean, <laughs> a, not not your crazy, but the story's crazy about how a a, a pretty normal person <laughs> can end up getting yeah. run through run through the system. Yeah, and, it can happen to anybody at this. And point it can happen to anybody. I think you know, that's I was the I was in prison with a eighty year old grandma, and her only crime was trying to walk. You know, because her husband was a veteran, they, her insurance company wouldn't cover her knee surgery, you know, because she was married. So she lied on the paper and said that she was single. And they wow. came to her house with a SWAT team, booted her door open, guns drawn and everything. So, you know. Sorry. Um, that's nuts. Yeah. They gave her 18 months for that. Like, this is what you're locking people up for. Federal. Little old ladies, because she's trying to walk bananas thanks everybody for listening to this episode uh you can find a bunch more like it um we've got all these on posted on linkedin they are on facebook it's also on youtube on our jar channel um you can follow the show here or you can follow us also on uh, itunes and spotify as an audio on the audio platform elizabeth thanks again so much i totally i very much appreciate it and Thank I'll, you for having me. It's yeah, great. and I'll see you on the other side. Yeah, loose, baby. But we're about to go and make this vessel with these great professionals yeah. in public glass. We're not part of the community, but we're from the outer family of glass blowing. Yeah, we're going to go make a magical giant jar with optic lenses so that if you turn it, it changes all the time. So if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change.